Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Me and Utilitarian. My name is Peter Singer, and if you are new here and don't know me, I am the IRW DeCamp Professor of Bioethics at Princeton University during the fall. And for the remainder of the year, I go back to Melbourne, Australia to further work on my own research and writing. Thus far, I have written, co-authored, edited, and co-edited more than 50 books in more than 25 languages. For this, I have become well-known around the world for my work about animal rights, ethics, and bioethics. So on this episode, I will be talking about everything from my potential new job opportunity, the recent talk I gave at Emory University, and how that can further help expand on my thoughts on speciesism. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Well, new week, new job opportunity, question mark. I've been applying around for a wildlife conservationist role because it's a next step that I want to take in my career. Not only do I want to continue influencing and educating the public, but to really important people, key decision makers, policymakers, and the government. So for anyone who's looking, I'm your guy. Um, you know, taking the research of conservation bio- biologists and translating that into mediums for anyone to understand has essentially been my livelihood. I teach, and for goodness sake, that's what this podcast does. I also had the opportunity to give a talk at Emory last week. It was a NEST talk, otherwise known as Nature, Environment, and Sustainability talk, where I highlighted my unique ecological perspective on the place for non-humans in environmental issues. And I think it's a great segue before I talk about speciesism, And I value all life, if you guys don't know, but for this, giving all living things, plants and animals included, the most basic right to equal consideration is really important to me. So without further ado, enjoy. Thank you, Emory University, for having me today. I'm very excited to give this talk about rights of human, non-human animals and why we must recognize each of them as individuals rather than as a whole species. This is because when we impose suffering on one animal, the likelihood of that causing other animals to suffer, grieve, or even put a strain on their own species is very high. And we see this amongst ourselves at even the most basic levels of life. And I can give you an example right here as to what happens in this campus. If your classmate was sick and did not come to school that day, well, not only is your classmate at home suffering from an illness, but perhaps one student was without a lab partner that day. And maybe he or she was the president of a club and they couldn't help plan their next fundraising event on time. Some may ask, well, how may this apply to plants? Do plants feel pain? Well, there's not much more evidence to prove that plants do not feel pain as if they actually do. And so while plants may not have a nervous system, many educational-based claims have been made that plants are not only conscious, but are also psychic and can experience suffering. Hence, plants can be conscious living beings. And because of the slightest possibility and subjectively being able to experience such, plants should not have the rights to be so easily dismissed. I mean, plants physically wilt and show us their suffering when they cannot properly perform their biological functions without nutrition and the right environmental conditions. And so for me, plant or animal, if a living being suffers, the fact that it is not a member of our own human species cannot be a moral reason for failing to take their suffering into account. I want to stop the talk there because I want to emphasize that we must get rid of this idea that I ultimately explain as speciesism. 
Now, speciesism and other isms, such as racism and sexism, is what enables people to think that being part of a certain group corresponds to their intrinsic moral significance. This hurts us. It is absolutely prejudiced. Life has no hierarchy. It should not take a species to be at the brink of extinction for humans to start paying attention to it, as if there are no other species of animals that aren't endangered, that aren't suffering. And so in order to pursue equal consideration, key decision makers really have to acknowledge the interests of individual non-human animals because our decisions affect everyone, endangered or not. As a result, when thinking about conservationism, we also must not use a cost-benefit analysis to in essence help validate the suffering that we impose on non-human animals. It is unjust, it is ineffective to use an anthropocentric method when making decisions because it must mean that we only think about ourselves, right? We don't consider how our actions have this environmental impact that can trigger things later down the road. This is why non-human beings should have rights because we don't consider the loss of those individual lives as a part of the cost in this cost-benefit analysis. We forget that these lives and species will never be able to come back once they're gone. How must we truly be able to bring back something that was here before us? So until animals can, or sorry, until humans can truly bring back a dinosaur to life, I'm not sure I'm very convinced that nature can be imitated. Our future does not look promising, and this is why I would love to start incorporating conservationism as a part of my life's work. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And I will see you next week, hopefully with a new job.